Hello and welcome to this edition of the Modern Times Podcast, Political Profundity with John Guzan and Karen Weil. Hi, Karen. Hello. This week, for sure, um, I didn't even have to ask you how you were, as I usually start our podcasts. Um, you know, I, for anybody who's a regular listener to this podcast, they know that uh, you were uh, born and raised in Las Vegas. Now, even though yeah. you're living in um, uh, Southern California, you still have very strong connections uh, to uh, Las Vegas. So, you know, with the you know tragic mass shooting that happened... Um, you know, what was that, Sunday night, uh, Monday morning? Yes, um, it was Sunday night. It was about 10 p.m. when the shooter started shooting, started, I should say. It's funny, my husband and I had come home. We were visiting family in a town not about an hour away. We'd get home late. Uh, I haven't really been following the news much. Like many people in this country nowadays, I give myself the weekend uh-huh. to just take a little bit of a mental break. Uh, and then a little while after we got home, my husband was watching cable news. I said, if, if you heard what happened, I said, no. He said, well, there's been a shooting in Vegas at a concert, and two people are dead. And I said, well, that is terrible. Uh, sadly, though, in my hometown on the Strip, uh, there has been no shortage of serious crimes and deaths. Uh, as we all remember, well, those of us alive in the in 1996 remember Tupac Shakur being shot to death right down the strip. Uh, there have been countless other types of crimes and murders. There have been people who've driven their cars into crowds and killed people or harmed them. There have been bank robberies that started in the 90s when gangs would go right into casinos and and you know brazenly hold up the cashier. Right. Which it, uh, before that was that was inconceivable. Mm-hmm. Never mind that my city. For those who know its history, has certainly seen its share of violent crime everywhere else. I mean, the mob all but controlled that city sure. uh, for about 40 years until it was driven out by the FBI. Tony Spilatro, a name that many know if they've studied the mob at all, killed God knows how many people. Yep. Uh, he wasn't the only one. So Vegas, uh, well, its its crime rates have dropped over the years, and it's, I'd say, just as safe as most other American cities. Uh, it's... It's had a share of problems, without question. But of course, what happened Sunday? Totally. And now that thing, it's right? the site of the biggest mass shooting in U.S. history, that joins this terrible club. Yeah. And I think for something like that to happen at a, of course, I was going to say, and you know as well as many of our listeners do, we've already seen concerts such as Ariana Grande's. Uh huh. And then the Eagles of Death Metal in Paris in 2015. Right. I think there might have been one or two others now where those with political means committed terrorist acts and killed people. Sure. Uh, so there's there's so many levels here of normalcy that have been shattered. And, you know, as we've talked about before, in, you know, in events where people are just there to enjoy themselves. It's not a political rally. It's not something that's grim or dire. If someone has decided this is the time to strike and harm people, either out of political reasons or simply because this person is so disturbed and, and, and has not received mental health counseling of any kind, right? this person decides to strike out. We saw that in Aurora, Colorado. We've seen that at the McDonald's in San Isidro in 1984. James Huberty killed, I believe, 30 people Yeah, yeah. Uh, at a McDonald's. They were there just to have a meal and, and enjoy themselves. Um, right. So, you know, there, there are going to be 
it's going to take weeks, months, years, I think, for the city to recover. I think you may start seeing major hotel casinos decide, like hotels in Europe do, some do at least, that they're going to start screening people's baggage. Because, again, this man, whose name I don't even want to mention, and he's dead, thankfully, um, brought in how many bags full of weapons and ammo, and that no one noticed it, this at all. I... Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's 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 one of the tough dynamics mm-hmm. of being, and and one of the things that I think is unique to Las Vegas. You know, you you don't there's the, these these facilities are so large, and there's so many of them, and there's so many people coming and going that you can't. I mean, it's it's very difficult, like you said, unless you're really screening bags. And the other difference, I think, is in Las Vegas, they've really been trying to cater to having those views. As you know, typically you would have a view of of nothing. Um, and now there had been a little bit of a trend of having these open air venues that looked out of of of, of hotel rooms. Um, one that that comes to mind is uh, the T-Mobile Arena. Now is right outside um, uh, what used to be the Monte Carlo. The Monte Carlo, and now they're changing yeah. it. Um, another MGM property, just like Mandalay Bay. Um, and so you can see certain things, and it gave him a perfect, you know, uh, you know, shooting zone. Um, you know, for this event, one of the weird things I thought is that he was a country music fan. Um, and then he opened fire on a country music event, which, you know, usually doesn't seem to play into it. Well, I thought like, you know, when the terrorists, um, when terrorists out and that, and that was one of the things we talked about earlier when uh, radical Islamists, um, attacked the, the Ariana Grande, you didn't, you kind of thought that it was a statement also against, you know, Western, um, you know, commercialism and uh, promiscuity or whatever you would want to call it. But this is kind of like, you know, somebody who's a fan of something taking out some of their own, it almost seemed like, which was rather odd, I think, and and almost kind of came to a, uh, you know, really, like you said, figuring out what drove this guy besides just insanity um, is, 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 is going to be difficult, I think. Um, It's one of those things, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a plane crash. It's almost like, you know, a car going off the edge of a cliff when, 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 you know, for no reason. It seems like we're almost there, don't you think? Or do you think that there's, you know, uh, there's been calls on both sides on why this happened. Pat Robertson saying because, you know, no one's, you know, everyone's disrespecting the flag and there's no God and and everybody disrespects the president, which is why this happened. And again, you know, and then there's sides on the, on, 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 on the left that talk about, you know, that people just can't take it anymore and it's divisiveness. Um, so there's both sides doing it. But then you were just talking earlier about all these others that have also happened um, when there was times that people would say that there was unity then or less divisiveness in the country. Although we know that there's never been a time where there was, you know, perfect harmony in, in, in the United States or anywhere. But um, do you think that it had anything to do with the political landscape? I don't in this case. I've seen nothing that, that indicates... And again, we, this man is dead. Uh, we don't know what he was really thinking. There are reports that he was not a pleasant individual to be around. Um, he wasn't married. He did have a female companion who was not in the country. And, of course, there were some media reports that yeah, authorities were looking on, for right, her. But, right. you know, he had just used her card, and I believe a card, to uh, get into the Mandalay Bay. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, if... if if you had to take a guess, this man was probably seriously disturbed. 
even though, uh, you know, and it, it certainly wasn't out of poverty. By all accounts, he was quite well off. Financially, he owned several properties. He won right. a lot of money gambling right. in casinos. Um, and so pro- obviously yeah, yeah. he knew what he was doing there. But also could have lost and it just as quickly as we all know for people who gamble. He probably could have lost it just as as. as... <laughs> I tell people who don't visit their town very often and are excited about going and playing, I said, have fun, but just remember something. Vegas doesn't make $15 billion a year right. off of winners. That's right. That they will take every last dime, and if you win a few grand, hey, great, get the hell out of there. Put it in your because pocket. trust me. Yeah, the house will win it back. Um, it's why natives like myself, a lot of us never gambled. We've, we've seen the, the just the incredible costs uh, of that on so many levels. And um, so there just doesn't seem to be any reason that this man, other than, I will say Donald Trump got one thing right. And of course, I doubt that he wrote what he said the other day, right. but that this was pure evil, which it was, which is what any attack of this nature is. Yeah. It doesn't matter the motive. It's evil. It's wrong. It's, I don't care how wrong U.S. foreign policy has been, and there's no question it has been. That never justifies anyone deciding they're going to crash a plane into a building or exactly. take a gun or a knife or, or a bomb. As Timothy McDay they did in 1995, it is unacceptable. That is not how you make a statement. That's not how you change anything. So, yes, it's evil. We can all agree. And I will say, it was also terrorism. Uh, as as, as uh, Lenin, the leader of the Russian Revolution, one of Steve Bannon's heroes, might I add, hail you Trumpers who hate communism, just put keep that in your mind. Uh, as Lenin once said, the purpose of terror is to terrify. So it doesn't matter if it's political or not. That's exactly what this bastard did. Yep. Sure uh, and what Timothy McVeigh did, what the 9-11 hijackers did. Yes, they may have wanted to make a deeper statement, but ultimately it is simply to frighten people and then and to to let them know they're not safe. Now, one of the, you know, an, an interesting thing I thought that came out of this, I guess, when, you know, when journalists started searching him, um, you know, the shooter um, and, you know, whatever they could find. The, one of the first things that came up was that his father was on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted list in the 70s, I believe, early 80s, for bank robbery. according to media reports I saw, yeah. Right, so, you know, I mean, you wonder what kind of influence there was there or a child who grows up knowing that his father's on the 10 Most Wanted list. You know, I mean, I don't know whether, whether it had anything to do with it um, it does seem it to be a huge coincidence. Have. Yeah, sorry. Um, it could have. Again, there are many people whose parents have committed heinous crimes, but they decided not to follow in those footsteps yeah. and lead decent, responsible, stable lives. And good for all of them. Um, again, we're going to learn more about this man as time goes on. Uh, we've already heard from his brother, who I, I found, uh, you know, it was, it, you had to feel for him having to learn this knowledge that his brother has committed the worst mass shooting in history and having to somehow explain it, which he can't, in fairness to him. Uh, But it it kind of, you got the impression those two were not particularly close. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know what you thought. You also got the sense he didn't like his brother very much. Obviously there'd been some tension or difficulties between the two. Um, so again, I, I, as time goes on, we're going to learn more about what this, you know, what made this monster tick, and from people who knew him. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, but the you damage know. is done. Fifty-nine people are dead. Hundreds are injured. Injured. And I, I know it's a cliche to say this, but it is true. My city is never going to be the same. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's you know, it is going to take a long time. You know, I think even you know the MGM fire. I think what was that? Nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Um, you know, that yes. kind of put a, a, a scar. It didn't slow Las Vegas down. I don't think it'll anything will slow it down. I think people are smart no. enough to kind oh, of no. understand what's, you know, that, you know, there's sometimes there's 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 situations that happen. But, you know, it will be a black mark um, in as far as discussions and, and, you know, and, you know, black mark, you know, maybe a bad choice of words there on my part. But you know what I mean? There will be. A bit of discussion when 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 people go there, like, hey, be careful when you're in a you know a group of people, a large group of people. Um, and right. as you probably know, the next one's going to be you know somewhere else across the world. Sadly, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. Um, another th- interesting thing I thought that came out of this, and we can talk, you know, if we want to kind of segue a little bit into gun control. Um, there was a uh, a guitarist for the Josh Abbott band. I guess his name is Caleb Keeter. Um, yes. Someone who came out, you know, so, supposedly was solid, uh, you know, Second Amendment. Um, talked about how a lot of people had concealed weapon permits um, in his band. You know, they always talked about, hey, if something happens, we'll be able to be there. Realized that in the right situation or the wrong situation where someone decides to do something to this level, there's no way to do a darn thing about it if you got a handgun in your jacket and a guy is 30 floors up, 400 yards away, spraying the area with automatic weapons fire. And he came out solidly saying, gun control right now. Seemed to be, you know, obviously, any, you know, some folks will say, you know, mainstream media focusing on certain things, but um, it still happened and, and it hadn't happened in the past. Um, you know, you kind of want to talk a little bit what you think about gun control, because, you know, to a certain level, mm-hmm. you know, my kind of take on it is, you know, crazy people are crazy people and they're going to do crazy things. Um, you know, he obviously didn't buy an automatic weapon. I think, you know, some of the reports coming out this morning are that he obviously took a semi-automatic weapon and just turned it into an automatic weapon. Um, you know, and so you're probably always going to be able to do that. Also, I think, um, Automatic weapons made before 1984 are still legal or something like that in the early 80s. Um, you mm-hmm. know, uh, what do you think about, you know, whether gun control would stop this, um, whether it's good, um, whether we should be doing something about it anyway? Well, I, I mean, we had an assault weapons ban that passed uh, in 1994 when Bill Clinton was president. Then 10 years later, when it was going to expire, George W. Bush, who certainly had tremendous support from the NRA and uh, those who, you know, support uh, the gun gun rights. Although I think it's fair to say that a lot of us, even though we have very mixed emotions on the gun culture in this country, also support the Second Amendment. But at any rate, um, you know, then it expired. And it seems to me, now it's not to say we had several mass shootings. Of course, there was Columbine in 1999. Uh, there was Paducah, Kentucky, and I think there were one or two others. So that's not to say that that stopped mass shootings. It absolutely didn't. Uh, but it seems to me after the assault weapons ban expired, you saw in 2007 uh, with the name of Stephen Cho, the, the very deranged student at Virginia Tech, who was actually declared mentally unstable by a court. And the judge said something to the effect, this guy is very, very messed up. I don't know if he said he shouldn't have weapons, and yet Stephen Cho was able to get assault weapons and killed 
I'm afraid I can't remember now, but it was about 30, I think it was 30 plus people. And here was somebody who by no, in no way, shape or form should have had a gun because he clearly wasn't mentally stable to do so. Um, but then, of course, we've had many others uh, since then. So I, there are, uh, I think it's fair to say that the assault weapons man might have stopped some of these people. And, you know, you had Donald Trump say sign legislation that basically allows the mentally ill to have easier access to guns. I mean, this is just ridiculous. And I'm sorry, I'm all for a, somebody who is, you know, a law-abiding citizen who has no record, no criminal record, is mentally okay to have the weapons he or she wants. You know, it's funny, and you, I'm sure, have dealt with this too. Just as a quick aside, we're journalists. And I can't tell you how many discussions I've had for people say, well, you know, you and the media, you don't know anything about guns. Uh, okay, I'm from Nevada, and my father was an amateur gunsmith and a member of the NRA. So, yes, I w I've been around weapons of many different types. I have done target practice. Right. Am I an expert in guns? Hell no. But I do know something about them, as I'm sure you do, John, given you're from Arizona. Another rural, large Western state where a lot of people, 99% of whom are decent and good and have no intention of harming anyone, have weapons. Or a, a 38 Special or a hunting rifle because they, you know, go out and hunt legitimate game animals or food, something humans have been doing in one form or another since day one. So I, I get very tired of that. Um, but at any rate, um, you know, look, we live in a free society there is no way to stop people who are really, well, there are ways, but it's not easy, I should say, to stop people who, for whatever horrible, twisted reason, are hell-bent on harming other human beings. That's always going to be the struggle. But when you make it as easy as possible for people who have no business having weapons to get them, it just makes it a whole lot harder. And it's funny, the other thing I want to say, which as we might recall from the Sandy Hook shooting. When Wayne LaPierre, who was really on the defensive, the head of the NRA, said the only thing that stops a guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Well, I don't know if any good guys, I'm sure there were good, many, many, many good people at this concert who did not deserve what happened to them, but I don't know if there were any people with guns ready to stop the shooter. And they better have been able to aim, oh, I don't know how many stories up to stop this monster who was up on, the, I believe, the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay. So that's an argument, too, from, from gun advocates that sometimes rings very hollow in my mind. Yeah, and, you know, if we talk about, um, if you look at the 10 deadliest mass shootings uh, in U.S. history, um, four of them are prior to uh, uh, 2007. Um, the other six are after 2007. Um, mm -hmm. and those other four are spread out over time. Um, you know, if we want to run down really quick, obviously number, you know, with the most deaths was this Las Vegas shooting, which we've already kind of discussed uh, the Pulse nightclub, which was just, um, just a little more than a year ago. Um, Virginia tech, then 32, um, April, 32, 2007, uh, Sandy hook, 26, um, you know, uh, I mean, mainly, <sighs> Mainly uh, elementary school students and kindergartners uh, is in 2012. Yeah. Then, you know, that, that, that the Luby's Cafeteria in Colleen, Texas, um, 1991. 
Um, yes. The McDonald's massacre in San Ysidro um, in 84. So these are the little, you know, grouping of three, 21 deaths in McDonald's. Um, and then there the, was the shooting in 1965 in Austin yeah, and at the UT. It's actually 66. UT Austin. Um, UT Austin, 14. Um, and then um, the San, Berdino, uh, San Bernardino um, in, in, in 2015. And then the Edmond Post Office um, in Edmond, Oklahoma, um, 14 in 1986. But There's you, also the Fort Bliss shooting. Well, I mean, and this I, is this you know, is this and, is you know the top that ten. That was somebody who's a soldier, least. and there were military people all around him. Right, right. You know, um, but you know, the point I was trying to make is that you have you had a few. Um, you you know between 1984 and 1991 there was three: um, the Lubies, the McDonalds, and um, and uh, da, da, and the Edmund Post Office, and then basically all the rest in the top ten have happened since 2007. So you have one in 66, you have a few in the 80s, uh, one in the early 90s, and then it's you know basically been everything since has been in the last ten years, um, and. As we know, they've 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 increased in frequency, and and it has to be something I think that we need to, you know, not just say um, that it that you know it's it's always been my thing that you know people are are a little a little every once in a while people go nuts. There's been a situation where people go a little nuts. They don't just go beat up somebody and then they get sent to jail and they cool off. People are literally taking weapons now when they when they kind of lose it, um, and things are. You know, you're losing multiple lives, and it's getting even worse. Um, and 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 where this where this goes to? I mean, like we talked about the mo- the mass shootings. These are all Americans for the most part. Um, even San Bernardino, if you want to talk about that, and you want to talk about the Pulse nightclub being terrorism, radical wow. Islamist events, um, they're still basically Americans, no matter what you want. We want to play it off as they've been. You know, they've become Americans, even even the folks in. San Bernardino, but it has to be a point of discussion in what's happening and what we're kind of, you know, encouraging and, and why this is happening. And it's not going to be an answer that comes quickly. As we know, life is more nuanced than, than, than anybody can ever think. But the, you know, the evidence is there that it's continuing to happen and there's got to be a way to get out of it. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have the easy answer right now. And I hope that we keep talking about it. You and I, um, me and everyone else I know, you and everyone else you know, and it just, you know, it's kind of like that old Breck commercial. I don't want to be flipping about it, but it's like that. You know, you have to talk to two friends, and hopefully they talk to two friends, and eventually we, we, we you know, find some way to move forward and to try to, you know, mitigate these things from happening so often. You put it very succinctly. The only thing I may say, I believe that was a Fabergé ad, but... Oh, sorry. Pop culture and trivia. I think, you know, it's interesting, again, this dialogue and yeah. and... Getting attitude change. I, again, as somebody who strongly supports the Second Amendment, which I do, but I'm also it, just sometimes there are just a lot of people in this country for whom gun ownership is more than just simply owning a gun because they may want to defend their home or they may want to go hunting. That's all well and good. But it then becomes so intertwined with their identity that it, it's just kind of troubling and puzzling to me. Yeah, and, and again, and, you know, yes, and, there's no easy fix for that. There's no, it, it's got to take an attitude change for a lot of Americans. Yeah, and, I and, don't know if we're there yet. And 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 you know, kind of what I was getting at too is how you, how 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 people start to associate 
um, one thing with another. And so it becomes like, you know, when people start to go a little crazy, which all these people have gone a little crazy, as as you mentioned earlier in this podcast, if you've decided to kill multiple people or one person, um, you know, you've obviously lost some screws, you know, some screws are loose. They, you know, they're not even loose. They're, they, they've fallen out. Um, but it's the fact that it, like we had said, instead of doing one thing, they're now taking it because of all the other incidents that have happened. It seems like it gets to the point now where people are like, well, I'm going to go crazy and really do something nuts. What I'm going to do is go kill a whole bunch of people with weapons, with guns. And, 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 and how do you stop that? And, and, you know, also, you know, that's where it becomes part of, it needs to become part of the debate because it's become, um, regular insane behavior to do something like that instead of just go insane. Now people are literally going and finding weapons and then deciding that that's what they're going to do just like everybody else did. Because when people go crazy, they're still trying to follow some pattern of what they interpret crazy to be. And, and it's how you then get out of that. Um, you know, that's, well, that's, I, that's the way I, I'm, I am seeing it right now, at least, you know, there's gotta be a, no, a way out of, you know, to, to, to depict that or to deter that sort of reaction or outlet for your, um, insanity. Correct. And, and that's, that's one other matter, which of course there needs to be much more funding for mental health services and counseling. But there was an interesting quote on Twitter today from Matthew Dowd, who, I believe was an advisor to President Bush and big time GOP strategist who is, of course, kind of parted ways with his party. Uh, but he had a tweet today, a, a culture celebrating guns, equating them with strength combined with a bizarre antiquated version of manhood is what needs to change in America. Um, I think that was an incredibly succinct and correct description. But I, I will just say, too, to people who want gun reform, you need to vote. And, uh, you know, you have people in Congress who are willing to, even I think a good number of NRA members support background changes, background checks, and other sensible ways to make sure people who shouldn't be getting guns don't have them, or it's damn hard for them to do so. Um, Chris Murphy, the senator from Connecticut, of course, the site of the horrible Newtown shooting, uh, he may be introducing some legislation too, and of course, it's a GOP-dominated Senate. Uh, Probably most won't of go whom anywhere. are, you know, yeah. receive considerable money from the NRA, and in fairness, more than a few Democratic senators do too. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I, I just tell people who will keep asking, well, "Why, why isn't there any action?" I'll ask them, "Did you vote in the last election?" Yep. Well, no. That's why there's no action. Yeah, and you know, I do think that's a big thing, and you know. Uh, folks understanding, you know, and I know that there's a lot of disillusionment uh, and, you know, that's just as much of the part of, you know, uh, you know, folks wanting to be there. And if the less you vote and the less you get involved in government, that's really our, as, as, as citizens of this country, that's our way to really have an impact. And you can't get frustrated. You have to get more engaged. That's the only way to solve anything. Um, and well, we saw, and we saw recently with the, the failure of Congress to repeal ACA, one of the main reasons is people called, people protested, they went to Congress, they made it clear to the, a lot of these Congress people, and I know it, it, it's only failed because John McCain, Susan Collins, and I mean Rand Paul and Ted Cruz, but for different reasons said, no, I'm not voting on this. But right. make no mistake, for uh, some of them I suspect heard from a lot of their constituents saying, 
leave it alone, or we're going to come out in November of next year. Sure. It works. It works when people get involved. But if they don't, there can't be any change. Okay, so before we go to our our 60 Second Six, which is our rundown of six topics that we put at the end of these Political Profundity podcasts, um, you know, I just want to throw out some of the, you know, great responses um, to the mass shooting in Las Vegas and some of the things we talked about. Some folks really trying to help other people. It was out there, yeah. um, the community, and a lot of Americans really responding. I think there's going to be, a, you know, an outpouring, and I think people are, are are actually concerned, and there will be some of, some of that engagement. But particularly, and one of the things we talked about before we went on air here is um, – uh, the the main trauma center was where you were born in Las Vegas, and the work that they did um, with you know five hundred plus people being injured, um, and then trying to save the lives, um, uh, you know, because the as we know they probably tried to save as many of those fifty eight lives uh, and counting um, that that they could, um, but you know also kudos to those people and that they you know stuck it out and had to deal with those situations no matter because as we know. You know, no matter how how many years you've probably served in an emergency department, you're still not prepared for that night when when you have sixty plus bodies coming in that probably don't look like they're going to make it, and 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 five to six hundred who are injured. So, um, you know, I don't know if you have anything to say about UMC. I I want to say this about my hometown. Too many people still look at Vegas as this bizarre alien world where there's no normalcy. Well, I've got news for them. About two plus million people live in that valley. Most of them don't live anywhere near the strip. Most of them don't gamble. They work in quote unquote normal jobs in the legal profession for government, for finance. They're teachers, they're educators. And yes, there are men and women who wear police uniforms. Um, yes, there are many people who are in the entertainment industry, but that's a small, that's a smaller percentage. Uh, we have churches there. We have schools. We have a university believe it or not, that I went to, and uh, we write books there, okay? We have serious people who teach there. Some of them are my friends. I, I just We have a, a, a very vast medical uh, infrastructure, and with a lot of very well-trained doctors and nurses and paramedics and, and assistants of all kinds who know their stuff. And, you know, the, I just it was just amusing to me. There was a BBC reporter who allegedly said they were just kind of shocked by the community outreach, you wouldn't expect this in this town. I thought, you don't know my town at all. Right. And uh, yes, there is much about Vegas that is, it's not real. That right. whole world on the strip, it's it's definitely fantasy mm-hmm. and it's fun. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's tourism. People people want that kind of escape. And, and you know, they, they should just, if they're going to pay for it, they should get that. Um, but there's also the very serious side of my town that far too many people don't know. I, I, it, it, nothing, I mean, if anything, I don't want to say good, that's not the right word at this point. Constructive comes out of it is people who don't live in Vegas, who haven't visited there, or, or maybe only visited once or twice, that they understand there's a real city there with real people. Right. So I think perhaps the image will change a little bit in that way. Um, which can only, I think, make Vegas a more a town that more people take seriously, yep. despite all the glitz and the glamour and and the ridiculousness of certain other aspects of it. And that's there. I don't deny that. Yeah, and and you know, a lot of people, you know, what you mentioned was 
all 100% true. Uh, you know, although I'm not from there, uh, you know, plenty of trips from work and other things that we've done. Um, and it's also grown too, uh, as far as the impact or the the regular community aspect. You know, when you went out in the mid '70s, it wasn't so much like that. But there's been a lot of people that have moved there, retire there. Um, even oh, yeah. even the shooter was from that Sun City that's up there in Mesquite. Um, you know, there's a lot of retirees. They decide to go there because they know they can go see shows and go gambling when they like. Um, that 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 maybe don't go to Phoenix, especially as Phoenix has gotten bigger. Um, you know, they kind of look to Las Vegas as a as another opportunity and the rise of Henderson and some of the other areas, Summerlin. Um, you know, so there's a you know, as you mentioned, there's there's definitely a big impact, I think, um, uh, you know, for the other things that are available in Las Vegas. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I reiterate that, it. And that's what I experienced. My mo- I didn't live in a casino. My mother was not a showgirl. My father was not a dealer. Right. Uh, it was, my life was as normal as it was for most other kids growing up in this country. Except, yes, every now and then we'd go to a buffet in a casino. But one thing my mother always made clear to me and others did, this is not, this is not your life. Right, right. This is your life. And those of us who grew up there, we know how to differentiate. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's move on from the uh, awful tragedy and, and kind of move into the world of awful politics, perhaps. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, obviously nothing compared to what happened um, in Las Vegas on uh, on on Sunday night. But um, uh, Donald Trump finally made his trip to Puerto Rico uh, the this morning, Tuesday. Um, some people are just saying, you know, it's all about optics, um, and obviously a lot of these uh, natural disasters are, um, you know. But there was a lot of blame to kind of you know, place around a lot of talking about, uh, you know, golfing events. Uh, one of the things happened over the weekend, uh, the president's cup golf, um, event, um, and Trump was saying something about the hurricanes and somebody screamed out, you don't give a crap about Puerto Rico. Um, that's right. It's a, he doesn't. Yeah. It's obviously out there. Um, so, you know, here's your 60 seconds on Trump in Puerto Rico and the hurricane response. I, uh, yeah. Look, the, he's attempting to re- undo the damage already cr- caused by, you know, it's already been done to his rep, which really can't get any worse at this point, frankly. Uh, he went there and reportedly told the family, have a good time, just like he said to somebody in Houston. I don't think anybody's having a good time there. He also was sitting around at a table asking people, basically, to say good things about him. Uh, he didn't even bother to look at the mayor of San Juan, who, of course, has been a very tough critic on him. Right. Uh, you know, and then of course during when he the weekend when he should have been there already, he should have been in the White House doing his job to make sure every damn resource possible was on that island right at the now. Is that his his golf tournament? And say uh, announces when he has the the trophy that he dedicates this to the hurricane victims. Gee, that's nice. Um, I don't think a trophy's going to help them. Yeah. This 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 look. This man, he does not. There was another tweet that I have to mention from Matt Miller, who is a hardcore Democratic strategist. Take that for whatever it's worth. But he said something very interesting. He he said Donald Trump does not know how to relate to normal people. And he doesn't. Unless they're one of the billionaire, well, quote unquote, in his case, class like he is or a sycophant or frankly, one of his voters, which I don't even think he cares all that much about his base. Um, This guy just there's there's no just there's no humanity there. There really isn't. I'm sorry. Say whatever you will about George W. Bush, and we can 
We all know what happened with Hurricane Katrina and his administration's lackluster response, but you did get the sense he, he did feel genuinely terrible about it. And I think later tried to make amends. It was too late in terms of, of the damage done to his administration. But there was a sense he cared, even though, again, they screwed it up. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, my we've last... always had presidents who really seem to give a damn. This guy doesn't, other than to just, just to save face and to have people kiss his ass. I, I've never seen anything like this. It's just beyond shameful and embarrassing. And that's what I've got to say on it. Yeah. You know, I think you can allow, um, uh, teams to do their work, uh, in Florida and Texas because they're kind of connected to the continental U S things kind of work a little bit easier. It becomes a more extreme challenge when you're talking about a, um, a, an Island, um, like Puerto Rico. Uh, and <laughs> the last little thing I want to say is, you know, what re- you know, really stunned me. You even had the uh, three-star general there saying, Hey, it's just hard to get stuff inside. The roads are all destroyed. And I'm thinking helicopters, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you should be able to cover that, that, that country fairly easy. Um, yes. you know, with, uh, you know, with 10 helicopters or so, and I'm sure we have them, um, don't really know what's going on, but you know, I, I mean, obviously I'm here in Arizona kind of isolated, but, um, hey, let's do something about Puerto Rico, people, if anybody's listening out there um, and anybody right. cares what, what Karen and I have to say. But, you know, Puerto Ricans are Americans, too, as far as I'm concerned. You know, we should treat them like well, it. Well, they are. Well, as you know, we've, we, you know, we talked about this the last time. Um, you know, they want to have um, citizenship. They want to have statehood, and they don't. Uh, they can't vote in the presidential election, so they're, they're only quasi-Americans, um, you know, as far as officially and what they can, you know, actually do. Um, you know, when you can't vote for president, it kind of makes it hard to really say that they're full on Americans. And that's my point. Um, no, should I really understand make them... what you're saying, although tell, and I, I'm not talking to you, but to anybody who doesn't consider it Americans, tell that to the men and women who've served in our armed forces who are from Puerto Rico, yeah. some of whom died and sacrificed to this nation. I, I completely agree with you. That's why I'm saying make it know, official. You know. you know, let's, let's, let's make it official here. Uh, let's make them 51st state. That's, that's, that's my current push on Puerto Rico. If anybody ever mentions it, um, I just yeah. want to say, Hey, it's, it's you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, either let them free or, or don't. And those people there don't want to be independent. They want to, they want to be part of the United States. So let's welcome them in. Um, anybody who's a student of history realizes what happened when uh, great empires start to, um, limit citizenship. But again, that's a different discussion for a different day. Uh, let's on let let's move on to the second of our sixty second six, which maybe are now our two hundred and forty second six, but that's okay. Um, the Arizona Senate race is heated up. Um, Jeff Flake was already probably looking a little damaged um, in his primary, and now he's got he's probably going to have a hell of a primary battle, and he's going to have a huge general election battle with Kirsten Cinema now trying to take the next step. Um, you know, from my point of view, knowing, um, and seeing, uh, cinema, um, you know, knowing her, you know, I, I say that, you know, like a journalist, uh, says it, um, you know, interviewed her several times over the past, I guess, 10 to 15 years when she was, uh, in the state legislature here, um, going up through now she's a Congresswoman, um, becoming a, you know, now she's a, a Senate candidate, um, you know, always have a lot of respect for her. I really think that she cares about people, um, you know, she's, she's going to have a few things that I think that are going to be brought up in this, in a statewide election that kind of, you know, gets glossed over a little bit. Um, 
one that she, you know, isn't just a straight heterosexual, which is going to be a slightly difficult for her in the general. And we've talked about that before. Um, uh, um, uh, female candidates in Arizona really do well here because they steal some Republican votes who will vote for a woman, whether they'll go this time if she's not straight hetero, um, because, again, that's what kind of, ch- you know, turns, turns elections um, might be there. Uh, the fact that she's kind of a, 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 a former Mormon and proud of it, obviously, if she claims to be, you know, and she doesn't really kind of discuss her sexuality, um, you know, whether, you know, you know, who she likes. Um, and that's, but, you know, it's obviously that she's, she, she's not in a regular relationship with a man. She doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have kids like most, you know, folks do. Janet Napolitano that was here, you don't really know her orientation either, but she didn't make as much of a big deal out of it. Um, but she's obviously a well-spoken person, very intelligent, very smart, attractive, all the elements that you find in successful politicians. So I think Flake's got you know, there's a, a real battle um, going on, um, you know, you know, coming up in 2018. Oh, I think he definitely does. I mean, and frankly, I, I, his approval rating last time I checked it may have risen. In fairness, at one time was 18 percent. And that was just a few weeks ago. That I mean, my jaw hit the floor when I read that article for a Republican in a fairly deep red state, although I know not all of your state is. That's astonishing. That's bad. And, I, you know, we can respect that Flake has been one of the few Republicans who have tried to call Donald Trump out, although he does it in the most meek of manners, if you ask me. Um, he's going to have a problem, I think, getting to the primary right now. You know, who takes, you know, the woman who challenged John McCain last year in the primary? What is her Kim, last name again, Kelly? Kim Trail Kelly Ward, at least. That's Kelly what, Ward, you know, thank that's you. What, that, I, that, you know, nobody that's would have taken her seriously, me. but now she's there are there are analysts who are saying there's a very good chance she's going to beat Blake in the primary. Yeah, I, I don't um, see it at all. I, I you know, no. Let's go to number uh, three, Tom Price, yeah. uh, our former Health and Human Services Secretary, is now uh, probably looking for a lobbying job. I take it. Um, <laughs> he um, might just be. They. Uh, all the talk is it's because of his private jet travel. Now, I have the feeling that that's just, you know, most of that was probably leaked by the Trump administration to make it and give it a good way to, to happen. I know it's been uncovered by a lot of different folks. It's out there. Um, you know, Travelgate, I guess, is is kind of working in the Trump administration with Nuchin and uh, DeVos and, and you know, Tom Price and, and, and you know, with uh, our dear leader, Donald Trump himself. Um, stealing a title from you. However, um, it does also seem, and there has been some discussion, that it was also because some folks, and Donald Trump specifically, thought that Price failed when they weren't able to repeal the Affordable Care Act and that it had something to do with him and that he was um, out of the area and traveling and doing other things when that was going on. Regardless, um, losing another member... um, before you're even a year in is a pretty big blow. It shows how how horrible I think his selections were, um, how they just see themselves as getting titles and not really wanting to do things, not being really these uh, these 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 public servants to being um, you know public leaders I think or you know uh, public executives. I think it's it seems like there's a little bit of a different kind of role they take. Um, and it's indicative of, um, I think, a failing administration. 
I totally agree. And it's, it's, it's highly ironic and, and as usual with him, hypocritical of Donald Trump, who I doubt knew one single thing, doesn't know really anything about ACA, certainly didn't know anything about what his party was really trying to do to repeal it, to be calling out Tom Price for failing. It's just Tom Price is the obvious stooge that he can dispatch with easily, and there won't be any other blowback. Uh, but, of course, Price's behavior and his squandering of taxpayer funds was just disgusting. Uh, it very Again, it just shows what a phony, hollow campaign promise Donald Trump's drain the swamp was. It was utter bullshit. Here's a guy who's only, you know, he's already cost taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars with unnecessary flights to his golf course and and way too many people in his entourage. Uh, and it's, you know, Donald, you know, Tom Price doing the same and who he should be forced to pay back every last dime, by the way, yeah, yeah. that he cost us for this. Yeah. But also I should mention there are a lot of questions now about Ryan Zinke and Steve Mnuchin. Right. We all heard about his, uh, Mnuchin's wife's Instagram uh -huh. feed and and uh, and the fact that they had flown on the taxpayers' dime. Mnuchin claims it was for legitimate reasons. I, I think that's up for debate. Uh, to go and watch the so well, that wasn't that supposedly it was legitimate meeting about the treasury, but for some reason all we've really heard about is that they went and watched the solar eclipse, right. and that he's used the Europeans think he have used private flights way too many times and for unjustifiable reasons. Um, I you think know, if more reporting comes out that embarrasses the both of them, uh, look to you know look to Trump to maybe consider letting them go. Because and and frankly, because that, again, there's no damage in letting them go, especially given it doesn't seem like either one had any role whatsoever in the alleged Russian collusion. It's why Donald Trump won't let Jeff Sessions go, even though he berated him publicly. I, I you know I've never seen anything as dysfunctional and and messed up as this. Yeah, and it seems um, like you know, but, drain uh, you know Trump, Trump supporters really need to ask themselves: Are these people doing what they said they were going to? That's a question for them to answer, but to, to the rest of us, the answer is no, they're not. And yeah. Price was a failure. He could not get ACA repealed and seemed totally incompetent otherwise. Good, you know, good riddance to him. Good luck to his successor, uh, Don Wright. Yeah, and you know, drain the, you know, drain the swamp is if swamp meant um, um, all the money out of the government. Uh, drain the government and make me rich. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one. Um, I think we were both a little shocked dealing with Las Vegas yesterday, and all of a sudden word comes off that Tom Petty dies. Um, not political, yeah. Um, yeah, it, even though shocked. Tom Petty was somewhat political, I guess, in his own way. I think he kind of, um, you know, a boy from Gainesville. But anyway, it was still an event that we wanted to just at least mention today. Um, you know, um, I know that he's given a lot of, uh, you know, pleasure to folks. Well, you know, one of the first uh, concerts I saw when I was younger um, uh, obviously long time ago when Tom Petty was still hip and, and cool, still had working hips, but, um, still, um, as I told you earlier, I happened to be listening to American Pie and they were singing the day the music died. I went and checked the news feed and saw that Tom Petty died. So it was really kind of caught me off guard. And it was one of them, one of them weird moments. Um, but anyway, uh, anything you want to say about Tom Petty before we move on? Well, look, he was... I think it's fair to say a giant at American rock and roll. This is a man who had a successful career for over 40 years. Toured with Bob Dylan, was in the traveling world, you know, worked with some of the greatest of all time, like George Harrison, Bob Dylan, uh, 
et cetera, and so forth, was in the traveling Wilburys, had you know incredible success with the Heartbreakers, then a highly successful solo album. I just, I don't know, I can't tell you how many people I know who have Full Moon Fever from 1990. Right, right, right. Um, continued to produce great music. Again, this is an artist, like so many we've lost over the last five years, who may, maybe, you know, from Whitney Houston, uh, of course, to David Bowie, to Prince, to Glenn Frey of the Eagles. I may not have been a fan of all of these guys and women, you know, that includes Natalie Cole, just, but they, they produced a lot of music that meant something to people and had talent. Uh, you know, Whitney Houston, not a fan of her music per se. No doubt that woman was an amazing singer. Of course, her life ended too young and tragically. Sure, we sure. all know about some of her personal habits, but these are people we've all grown up with for decades who've been in our lives in one form or another. And now they're gone. Um, and of course, I, you know, you have to mention there was some confusion in the beginning about Tom Petty, whether he was still alive or not. Uh, Rolling Stone reported, uh, well, first TMZ reported that he was dead. Rolling Stone picked that up. There were other media outlets saying, now, wait a minute, we're hearing that he is technically on life support, but he has not left this world yet. Of course, we were all hoping maybe this is true. He's going to pull through. He's going to wake up. Because you kept just seeing these cute, well, they're not really cute, but they were poignant. He's going to have some great songs to write. Um, and sadly, that turned out not to be the case. So, yep. yeah, and it just seemed like a decent guy. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, he had kind of a fiery temper sometimes, but and he was outspoken. But yeah, who, in all, somebody who seemed to live his life with pride and dignity and made a lot of people happy. So it's a huge loss in the yeah, music world. And, uh, it's funny, I have a lot of friends who are into punk. The other thing I want to say, I'm sorry, punk and, and not big fans of kind of mainstream rock, but they were really upset about Petty's passing. So that tells you something. Yep. All right, let's move on. Um, Spain, um, kind of, uh, at least the uh, the Catalans decide they want to split. Um, long time coming for those folks. Um, they've wanted to do that for a very, very, very long time. It's finally there. Um, you know, you know, very quick reaction. Well, uh, there's, I mean, there's nothing new, like we said about Catalonian independence. Uh, you had, uh, you've had separatist groups who've supported it. There has been a lot of violence over the years. Um, I don't think this would be happening or picking up the steam that it has, John, were it not for Brexit. And that's what a lot of people against Brexit were warning Guess what? If this passes, you're going to see independence movements in Spain. You're going to see other countries wanting to leave the EU for the UK itself. You're going to see Wales and Scotland having serious referendum movements. Um, I, I frankly think the way the Spanish government has, has responded to this is very heavy-handed and disappointing. Um, I, you know, I think it remains to be seen, duh, obviously, what's really going to happen here. If I had to guess, I, I, I think the referendum's probably going to fail. Well, you know, you never know what's going to happen. It seems like there's this, uh, you know, huge kind of... Brexit is doing. Oh, yeah. It's changing. It's 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 changing the dynamic for sure. Yeah. I, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I've been to Spain. It's an amazing country. I went to Barcelona. You could just see back then the kind of independent spirit that Catalonians had. That's not to say other Spaniards don't feel the same way. They absolutely do. Spain is a country, well, like most countries of regions, people have a lot of freedom. They speak different languages or dialects of Spanish, which Catalonian is. 
was my lousy Spanish skills. Needless to say, I couldn't understand a word anybody was saying up there, but just an amazing country with an incredible history. I really hope if this does come to pass, it doesn't cause a lot of damage for that great nation. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Um, yeah. Our last bit, our last, our six in our 60-second six is the proposed tax cuts um, by our dear leader, um, which, one, we don't know if they're going to impact him or not, although we can assume. Um, I don't really think it'll make an ass out of me if I assume that uh, he's going to benefit in some way. It seems like he, he's benefited in pretty much everything he's ever done. Um, wouldn't want to be selfless to anybody. Um, you know, I know he said a few weeks ago, hey, maybe even we're going to have to pay more. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, I'm sure that's not going to happen. Um, but then there's been other sidelines to this, um, not really knowing what the details are um, when you put out a tax plan, um, kind of changing certain details. Um, we, we had uh, seen that a Treasury report on how cutting corporate taxes doesn't impact workers has disappeared from the website. And they say, well, it doesn't really conform to our current thinking. Well, you know, usually you don't throw away old reports or get them out of the public view and you have to go look at it in, 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 in public viewing. It seems like they're already preparing the wool to be pulled over people's eyes or trying to do so. Um, uh, you know, a quick reflection on what's happened so far on this tax plan. Yeah, I, again, because nobody really knows what's in it, uh, this is confusing. There's all kinds of, uh, of stories claiming the middle class will pay more. There were, one time it was proposed, I don't think that's going to go anywhere, that people's 401ks get taxed, which I thought, if you want to see the middle class really wake up and vote, go ahead and propose that. That's really <laughs> stupid. Um, as usual, what we've seen from this administration from the beginning, no real coherent policy, no real deep thought into it, and I, I just, I'm, I, I will say that I think the GOP might have a stronger chance of getting some things passed, but I think it's disingenuous to call it tax reform. It's not real tax reform the way we had in 1986 when you had an adult as the president, Ronald Reagan, and a, a Congress that was mostly Democratic but very willing to work with him because they respected him, even if they didn't agree. Uh, no, that doesn't exist today for right. understandable reasons. Right. But you know, the GOP is trying to push this as some kind of real reform and that's, that's just not what's going on here. This is a tax cut mostly for the wealthy. I'm, I, you know, I'll be shocked if there's any real relief for the middle or the working or lower class. Yeah, if there is, fine. Sure. But so far, everything I'm reading and seeing, and you know, perhaps people listening out there have some different opinions, but it's just not something that's benefiting a good majority of this country. Yeah, and, you know, and I think something that people miss all the time, and especially these you know, extreme tax cutters, um, there was a time when that might have been true. As we know what happened in our tax rates after World War II, there was extreme taxes on people, and it was because they were trying to pay off that huge debt that we had you know, developed mm-hmm. to, in order to fight that war. And there needed to be a leveling out after a certain period of time, and that was the 70s and 80s, and they finally got it done. Um, everything was you know, taken care of. Um, that's not so much the case anymore, and, is, and, and, and no matter how much I don't particularly like paying taxes either, but we have to realize that taxes have to be paid if we want a military, if we want uh, infrastructure, if we want certain things, we have to pay for it as a population. And you can't get down to zero. And even the Laffer curve was written in a time 
outside of this. They knew that 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 probably productivity and profits and and the, and, the, and the benefits of the economy would happen when they did it. But there, the Laffer curve. We are on the other side of the curve now. Tax rates are now low enough that it's not going to do anything good. It's actually going right. to do worse. And and and. And so, you know, those folks just, you have to realize you can't get rid of taxes. You know, the whole, you know, Grover Norquist thing, it just doesn't work. You know, you can't say that in a vacuum now with the tax rates we have. If you're back to 80% tax on the 1%, maybe you can say that, but you can't say that at this point. And, you know, that's really where, you know, you're going to fight over a few million dollars where you have billions and, or at least hundreds of millions. You have to figure that out. We have to pay taxes. And that's, I believe, I said it was Judge Oliver Wendell Holmes who said, I like taxes, they buy civilization. I may be paraphrasing that. Um, uh-huh. uh, because, uh, again, the goal is what government itself can do that people themselves cannot, and that's what we're talking about here. Uh, we're not talking about getting up every day and going to your job and, and doing all these other things in life, but, but we're talking about building roads and maintaining a military and social safety net programs and and that's all what it's part of yep. so i again i'm i think like a lot of people looking at this latest proposal with uh oh shall we say a jaundiced eye <laughs> <laughs> uh karen again um we've just wrapped up our 60 second six thanks a lot for everything today talking about your hometown talking about the shooting i know that it's it's especially you. affected you because you know you know the area so well um like you know, we mentioned earlier, born in the hospital where where where, where most of the trauma patients were taken. Um, you know, so again, um, you know, thanks for being able to talk about it today. I think is a big You're thing. Um, and yeah, for our listeners, we're probably going to have a sports podcast podcast next week. Karen and I will always be available and come back if we have a um, a breaking political event to talk about. Um, we might be even doing our new Hooray for Hollywood second edition. And then uh, Karen and I for sure will be back in three weeks, if not before. Again, thanks, Karen, um, for everything. Thank you. And God bless God bless the victims and their families uh, in my hometown. And, of course, many props to the first responders and the people in the medical field who helped save, save more than a few people. Thank you again. We will talk to you next time. May the polls be with you. Thank you, everybody.